Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Courtside Convo here on the campus of Michigan State University. For Impact Studios, I am your host, Carter Landis, back in here. It's been a little while since we've been back. I'm joined by Liam Jackson, and we are back in here. It's been a little while. It's been about a month, I think, since since we last put out an episode. You know, we had finals and, and winter break happened, but we're back, and we're going to get back on a regular schedule or so we hope, barring any unforeseen circumstances. So to start this podcast off, it's a little somber in my fashion. Uh, as somebody who has always been an advocate of one Cam Reddish, the Atlanta Hawks have traded him away to the New York Knicks. They've also included Solomon Hill, a 2025 second-round pick. They sent that to New York. They got a 2022 protected first-round pick from the Charlotte Hornets. And they got back Kevin Knox. Uh, so this kind of shows uh, there was a report that came out yesterday that Kim Reddish was kind of upset with his situation in Atlanta. He wanted a bigger role. He wanted to be featured a little more prominently. And general manager Travis Link said that if the right deal came along, they would accommodate him. And this is what they found. Now, is that what they could have got? I mean, I... You know, they were talking about Cam Reddish and deals for, like, Ben Simmons and, like, Jalen Brown and guys like that, and then this is kind of what they come up with, you know? Yeah, I think that, personally, I, I think that um, New York got a bit of a steal here, but I read an article by Sam Vecini who said that it was very decisive, or divisive. Um, a lot of front office people thought that he was worth, wasn't even worth a mid-first rounder, and a lot of people thought that he was worth a lottery pick, and this kind of just falls in the middle of that. Um, it's just he's a, a guy who's he's six foot eight. He's got uh, guard skills. He's shown in very high flashes, but at some points, um, he's kind of disappeared. He's still very young, so I think that there's a, a re- it was a really good move for New York. There's a lot of upside. A guy who his rookie year was um, really got after it on defense too, and if he could find that again uh, with Thibodeau, he'll definitely find a lot of minutes on that team and can provide some scoring as well. So I think that. Um, the Hawks haven't had the greatest season. Maybe a little mix-up could help, but I don't know if I would have, um, if I would have made this move if I were them. Yeah, it it was the logjam of minutes for the young wings like Kevin Herter, DeAndre Hunter, Reddish himself. Yeah, Hunter just got back. I have no explanation for why the Hawks like you. You would ask me if you know why. Why have the Hawks been starting Timothy Luau Cabarro so many games? I couldn't tell you why. I. I mean, I don't obviously. I I don't think he's going to start anymore now that DeAndre Hunter is back and healthy. Uh, but yeah, the Hawks had a lot of guys. They have a team. It's just I think it's a too many mouths to feed situation. And Reddish is, was was the first of those dominoes to fall. I mean this this had me thinking like just because of the fact that this was such a such a dry kind of barren return for Reddish that they might be trying to make more moves. I thought I saw something today that said that they're trying they were calling uh Indiana about Miles Turner and offering John Collins, I think. And I and there was another report that said everybody except Trey and Clint Capella were available and Capella only unavailable I think just because of the contract extension they gave him this summer that makes him uh ineligible to move until the off season. But otherwise it's it's you can't have Trey, but you can have anyone else. Now, in my opinion, I would not want to move Trey. I wouldn't want to move DeAndre Hunter. And I like a Kongwu for too. the right price, a Kongwu too. And other than that, you could probably take anyone. I would else. like to keep a Kongwu just because Capella is still a tradable piece, and if a Kongwu um, becomes what he's supposed to become, it's just a cheaper version of Capella, maybe a little bit more um, 
versatile as a player. So I think Okongwu is a, a, a very slept-on piece of that team. Maybe as, not Maybe not in the present right now. He's not playing as big of a role. He's playing a little bit, but I think that he could turn into um, a cheaper version of Capella and that could help them then sure up, or free up some money to build around Trey. And they still have Trey, who's a like one of the top three or four playmakers in the entire league, and he just led his team to a conference final. So I don't... I don't think it's panic time, maybe maybe for this season, but overall, I don't. I still there's still a bright future there, and you can build, you can put a plethora of players around Trey, and um, he'll figure it out. I agree. I mean, as somebody who is not the biggest Capella advocate, really, because you know he has no touch around the basket, and his all his his value on the court is predicated around playing with Trey Young, Akongwu himself. Has more of a post game, defends way better in space. I honestly think he's even a better shot blocker. Yeah, and well, just because the against... fact that he's way more athletic, and yeah. of course he has a much higher ceiling. So I would keep him. As of now, I like him as your center of the future. I really would be upset if they moved him. I was even impressed in the Buck series. The defense, the defense he played on Giannis was and Embiid the series before. Yeah, and so and as a rookie in those big moments, um, but as <laughs> Capella has been very very fortunate to play with. First James Harden mm-hmm. in that offense, and now Trey Young. And I mean, he's been solid in both of those roles. You got to give him credit for that. But yeah, as a player on his own, he doesn't impress me too much. But he's a, he's a good compliment for playmakers like that. It's yeah, it's it's uh, it's not nothing is as as the the pasture isn't super green in Atlanta right now. You know, like a lot of guys are upset with their roles. I think you know, there's just guys who aren't really aren't really satisfied. And one is one of those is John Collins. He's he's been openly. Uh, suggestive of the fact that he wants a bigger role in the offense, but when you look at it, what what is that? How does what would that be helping the team? Like it's just you know his his. I think he's the most optimal in his role playing with Trey, being the pick and ro- running that pick and roll. You know having Trey throw him lobs and everything. I don't think you put the ball in his hands and tell him to go create. He's just I don't just think he, I don't think he's that type of player. Yeah, I agree. It just it is tough for a guy like that when your team is struggling and you're coming off of. Um, your best stretch of basketball in the playoffs when um, you were featured more prominently. I think this he's these are like the his lowest amount of uh, shot totals he's had um, in a, in, a, in a few years. So I think it's just losing doesn't help. Like if they were winning, I don't think that um, you would be hearing these kinds of things. And like last year, he played a, a a little bigger, little bigger of a role, but still not that big of like not a like like you said they weren't giving him the ball to make plays, and he seemed perfectly happy. Um, just because they were winning. So if they can turn things around, and um, I think that just a lot of noise coming from a, a team who got to such high highs last year, and then it's been a bit of a disappointing season this year. So And, if, and for a young team, too, with um, a newer coach, it's just kind of a tough thing to traverse. Yeah, I think that's on McMillan, too. I mean, I think he's got to kind of take control in the locker room because there's a lot of egos there. You kind of have to uh, deflate a couple of those. You got to get guys to buy into their roles. I think a lot of guys want bigger roles. Collins being one of them. I think Bogdanovich is one too. He didn't like coming off the bench. He didn't like being just you know kind of a a, a stand in the corner shot maker. And I think that he is a much better player if you have him as like a secondary player, pick and roll guy, shot creator himself. Uh, yeah, it just have... sorry, it's just tough with like the way that Trey. Players like Trey, Luca, even Harden at times that they're so, uh, they are the offense and they have the ball so much. And when they when they are, the majority of your offense, you're gonna have a top half of the in offense in the league just because of them. No matter who's around them, but then you have guys who are used to being playmakers in other 
systems and um you're kind of just trying to fit them into uh, roles they aren't used to and then there's not enough shots to go around all the time and not enough plays to be ran for certain people and it just um yeah sometimes that doesn't work I think they have to move forward with Trey Young, Hunter, Okongwu. I like. I think Herter is also part of that core. Like you can't just have one guy and then and then that's it. You got to have a couple guys who like playing with each other too. I think Gallinari also needs to either yeah. be traded or stop getting minutes. Yeah. He yeah. No, I agree. And Lou he, Williams. Yeah, they both regressed, and um, players like like I thought Reddish, mm-hmm. Collins should be eating up all those minutes that they were, they were getting. So this this pick that they got from Charlotte, uh, it is protected uh, one through eighteen. So it's a top eighteen protected pick in twenty twenty two. If that doesn't convey, it moves to twenty twenty three, where it's a top sixteen protected. And then if that doesn't convey, it's uh, in twenty twenty four. It's twenty twenty four and twenty twenty five. Those are lottery protected picks. And if they don't convey a pick to the Hawks by that time, Charlotte just sends twenty twenty six and twenty twenty seven second round picks. So the value of that pick is a little lower. So at best, it's at 19. Yeah, that's what I was um, – because if you think I – w- I would rather – I mean, of course, you also have to factor in um, paying for Reddish. But mm-hmm. you're basically paying for – or you're basically trading for like a mid to late first-round pick, hopefully. Probably it won't convey to two second-rounders. So in the next couple of years, you're getting a player um, that's going to be drafted between – like what, eighteen and twenty five, mm-hmm. most likely. So, I mean, you know, you never know. But, and it's a cheaper version, and it also frees up minutes. But, I would rather, I would, I, I would like to take my chances with Reddish, just because I think. I like, um, like you just don't find people with that are six eight who can handle the ball, can knock down shots, and when he's engaged, is a very solid defender. It, it's just like I feel like he's he's, but that's always been the thing with him though. Like even in high school, and then. In Duke, at Duke, he kind of just, you know he has it, and he kind of just fades away at sometimes, and you kind of forget he's there. Like when he played with RJ and Zion, he was always the third fiddle in that team mm-hmm. and still a solid player, just never really was able to take over for more than a game or two. So, Yeah, it still might be a potential thing with Cam, but we did see him a couple times this year. He had a couple 30-point games where he kind of just took over those games. He was knocking down threes. He became a much better shooter this year especially out of the catch and shoot and in the corner and definitely more of a, a guy who can handle the ball. Like a couple seasons ago, he really just couldn't. And then now he can be like, he could have been like a secondary facilitator for you. So having a guy like that with, you know, playing again with RJ Barrett, I mean, the chemistry on that team is going to increase in New York. Yeah. I like that for New York. New York like, like the Hawks have um, came off a really surprising in a, in a good season last year and then kind of faltered again. But I think it's different for New York just because the Hawks, their best player being, I mean, the Knicks' best player being Julius Randle is, like, I think he's an okay, I think he's a mm-hmm. solid player. But last year, I think he's never going to have a season like that. I still think Trey Young can reach the same heights or even more. Like, I still have much more faith in him becoming an all a perennial All-NBA player, which he probably already is. And Julius Randle, that's probably the only All-NBA team he's going to make. So I think that... uh there's there's more opportunity for Reddish in New York, even though they got Fournier and um, and Burks and uh, R.J. Barrett's playing better. So it's still another kind of bit of a logjam, but I think that he provides the most potential out of those guys, maybe other than Barrett. 
And they might even try to uh, go after Zion in the future, too, if they could reunite that crew. I know I know that that's kind of been a thing on Twitter that they've uh, they've mentioned that it's uh, you know, it's just a Twitter meme thing. But it's like Zion yeah. was going to force his way to New York now. But I mean, so, yeah, I mean, the, the, the general consensus kind of seems that that the uh, the Knicks won this trade if they can get if they get the Cam Reddish that 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 Anthony Edwards and those guys know that he is then then they have definitely won this trade and Atlanta is kind of in a confusing place. So we'll see where that happens with that. The Detroit Pistons almost had a deal, but then didn't with uh, nuggets forward slash center bull bull. They were going to, they had initially acquired him, I believe Sunday. And then the trade fell through because of bull bulls failed physical. And this has kind of been a common thing with bull since he came in the league, since he's been at Oregon, it's been, you know, are are the medicals going to come back clean? And mostly they really haven't. That's why he fell so far in the draft. It's why he hasn't really seen the court very much in Denver. But, you know, the, initially you were thinking maybe a fresh start in Detroit maybe gives him a chance to uh, start over. But now this is not the case. So my question is, like, just because of those injuries, you know, how long does he have in the league? Because we saw the talent. He had, like, top 10 talent in the draft. It's just there were medical questions and and things like that 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 kept him that limited him from from reaching that potential. Yeah, I think that until he until he has um a shot as like an actual rotational player and then still can't produce consistently, I think that then it'll be tough for him to bounce back from that. But he really hasn't he's playing behind uh one of the best players of our generation in Jokic and um on a team that doesn't really have time to try to um they're they're their window is right now to win, so they're not really going to waste time trying to develop a player like that. So I think the Pistons would have been a great spot for him. We've seen um, Troy Weaver take shots on on players like this, including probably the best one that he's um, hit on has been Frank Jackson, who's been a very good rotational player who was kind of just on the fringes of the league and in the G League, and then he's really found himself as a spot-up shooter, and he's been – he actually – I think he had the highest vertical in – his draft class, Frank Jackson did. So he's shown some ability to get to the basket and finish. But yeah, Bull Bull, I think that was for me as a Pistons fan, the biggest roller coaster since the lottery. Because mm-hmm. I got, I was on a plane from Vegas, so my phone was off when mm-hmm. it happened, and I was exhausted when I landed. So I kind of like did a double take because um, it happened like an hour before we landed. So I look, mm-hmm. see that the Pistons got him, and I was very excited because he's one of the players like. You always see on tw- any anytime he does anything, it's everywhere. Mm-hmm. He's such an exciting player, such a like a a different kind of player. So then, hearing the news that um, he failed his physical and we're stuck with Ronnie Magruder again, it's kind of just because this Pistons team, other than Cade Cunningham, has been very boring. And he Cade's shown a lot of like fun flashes, and it's still been fun to watch him. But it would be fun. Uh, just have more excitement in Detroit, and you never know. I don't, I don't, I don't ever think that he's going to be a, a starter in the league. But I think that he's a guy who, like, like you said, he's one of the best uh, players in his high school class. And like the nine games he played at Oregon before he got hurt were, one of the best players in the in college when he was, when he was healthy. He was a shot blocker, handled the ball at seven two, almost an eight foot wingspan, and he was shooting over fifty percent from three in college. So, I really hope he does get a shot. I feel horrible for him. Uh, he's got to go back to be bearing on the bench. So maybe next year he'll find something or he can get healthier and figure something out. But it's a shame for him and for the rest of the 
for for fans really that he's not getting more minutes. He is a fan favorite. I mean, he's got all the physical tools, as you just said. Seven foot two can put the ball on the floor. He can shoot it from anywhere. I mean, and as shot blocker with an eight foot wingspan, it it's all right there. And it's like that's you could see why. Like when he's playing at Oregon and in high school, you can see why. But it's just oh man the. The injuries have just completely derailed some guy's potential, and it's and it's so unfortunate. It, he could have been a pretty interesting player, like as you said, you know, Troy Weaver has that that track record with getting guys who are kind of on that fringe of being an NBA player and turning them into quality rotational guys, like you know, as you said, uh, Frank Jackson, Hami. uh, Hamidou Diallo, Josh Jackson. Am yeah. I am I missing anyone? I feel like. Um... Probably, but I can't think of any. Those are the ones the idea, that those yeah. are the ones who have stuck so far. Yeah, you get the idea. Uh, I can't think of any right now anymore either. And for the Pistons, adding someone like Bol Bol is just, you know, another guy who he's a, he's quite a bit younger. I think he's only 21, something like I think that. he's 22. 21, 22, so pretty young. You know, he adds to that young core of guys, and he he could be a bit of a confidence booster to some of these other younger guys, you know. I I also think that um, a player of his uh, mold might be the wrong word just because he's so different, but... They don't have they're they're starting Isaiah Stewart at center, who I think is a solid player. I don't think he mm-hmm. he doesn't add much in terms of rim protection or rebounding, um, other than he just he plays harder, so he gets some he plays harder than most players, so he gets some of those sometimes. But they don't have much length, and they need um, a, a player who can finish possessions for you on the defensive end, getting defensive rebounds, and someone who can alter shots, um, like you can funnel them into like Isaiah Stewart is not the type of center you like funnel everything into and have him. Um, defend the rim he's a kind of a guy who can he's at leg enough to guard on the perimeter and that is valuable but mm-hmm. they've they've been getting uh destroyed on the glass and and in the paint all year so i think that bull bull and the minutes that he would have gave could have um at least given teams a different look that they have to prepare for and someone who can provide a little bit of that at least i was thinking with with the pistons i was i haven't watched a whole lot of pistons i've watched some my question is like what's going on with killian hayes I, he's making me sad because yeah. I was such a big Killian Hayes guy in the draft. I was too, even before the Pistons take took him. So when they took him, I was um, my fandom kind of took over. And I, yeah, I, I had I think I had him as um, I think I said he was gonna finish as first team all rookie like at, when he got drafted. Mm-hmm. He's yeah, he's nowhere near that. But in his defense, he's shown marginal improvements in certain areas. Like he's been. When he's when he's open in the corner and he's uh, like gets his feet set, he's knocking down a lot of those shots, which he was not hitting any last year, and he's still like he shows flashes. Like he'll make some crazy passes. Like there was when they were playing the uh, the Bucks in transition, he mm-hmm. catches a ball, um, like an outlet pass from Cade with one hand and in one motion throws a bounce pass across the court to Josh Jackson who dunked on on Marcus Cousins, I think, mm. and just plays like that. Um, but other than that, he's not consistent. He's not aggressive. He's a big point guard. He's six five. He's a bigger point guard, and he he barely ever gets to the free throw line. Like when he drives, it's always these off off balance floaters that are off the backboard, off the rim, and out. I feel like if he just learned to use his body more, which um, get, mm-hmm. use his body, create contact, get to the line, um, it'd be a lot more. Um, he'd be a lot more productive, and it would help a lot of other parts of his game, but. He is twenty years old, and he has. I think he might have just played his sixtieth career game, so not a full season under his belt. Um, so I I think the Pistons should give him this year, especially at the end of the year when they're really tanking. 
mm-hmm. get him out. I think that they need to try him off the bench and have him play without Cade because I think that if he is gonna stay, I don't think him and Cade are gonna be playing together. I think that he's a very he could turn into a, a decent bench, a uh, decent six man, a decent player to run the second unit. But as of right now, he's not a good NBA player, and that's just where it's at. I, I didn't know that he only played in 60 career games, so that, that kind of makes me feel better as somebody who was a pretty big big Killian Hayes. I think I had him, like, top five, six in that draft class. So Yeah, he missed a lot of last year mm-hmm. of the shortened season and then missed – he's probably missed about 10 or 15 games this year. I feel like he had, like, some pretty good games last year. You know, I thought that he – I thought I saw a couple – like, obviously towards the end of the season in, like, April still. but Yeah, you know, he, he actually – the last month and a half or two months when he came back, um, he had a stretch where he was scoring like 15 a game, but yeah, it just it. I I'm a big fan of him. I want him to succeed, but it, at some point, like Kate is show, starting starting to really show that potential as a lead ball handler, and it's starting to just it's hard to watch possessions where they just stick him in the corner and have yeah. Killian try to run. And Killian isn't horrible at the pick and roll actually. Mm-hmm. He can snake around sometimes, but he still can't hit a, a mid range shot, so it doesn't really matter. But yeah, I think. At the end of this year, give him the summer league preseason, see what he's got. But next year, especially if they go after, like today, there was a report that their Pistons are gonna their number one target for agency is DeAndre Ayton. So nah, that'd be good. They get a player like that, sign someone else, and then their draft pick. I don't think that they're. I don't think. I think that they're trying. Uh, next year, they won't be trying to tank at all. I think they're gonna try to go for the plan next year. So I don't think that you can mess around with Killian starting if he's still mm-hmm. at this level next year. Yeah, that's another thing about young cores. It's if if you can land Aiton, it's him, it's Cade, maybe Sadiq Bay as well. Yeah, Sadiq's been playing much much better with the, at the four with Grant out. So I think that they're gonna trade Grant, mm-hmm. see what they can get for him. And then, as you know, a lot of players at the top of this draft class are six nine to six eleven bigs: Jabari Smith, Paolo, and Chet. Um, so they can land one of those one of those type of guys. That's exactly what they they'd be looking for. So I think that. Yeah, the timeline it's ticking for Killian. Um, even though he's it sucks to say because he's twenty yeah, years right. old, but it got accelerated. And the worst thing that could happen to him was the Pistons getting Cade because mm-hmm. he's the type of player who can just it's it's his team now. So, so yeah. it's Killian's either gonna have to learn to to play with him, or he's gonna have to come off the bench, or they're gonna have to move him. There was really never any shot of of Killian being a being a lead guard once Cade Cunningham came into the fold. So he's gonna have to uh, adjust. So. In last night's action, we had the Bucks and the Warriors play, and this was just pretty much a complete Bucks beatdown. They they beat the Warriors, hundred eighteen to ninety nine. Giannis with just you know casually another thirty point triple double with twelve rebounds and eleven assists. On the on the Warriors side, their leading scorer was Andrew Wiggins. Uh, he had sixteen, and Steph Curry only scored twelve. He didn't play much in the second half just because the game had gotten so out of hand so quickly. Uh, went four of eleven from the field, but I think this is another loss that the warriors have suffered they've they have now they are now five and five in their last 10 so not you know not as dominant as they usually are Steph's kind of been struggling shooting the ball recently uh I don't know if they're in trouble I don't know if like this Steph slump is a concern I know people who like to write Steph off and have never really given him the credit he deserves as a player are all saying yeah his time's up he's not an effective shooter anymore I'm not sure that's the case but there are, there, you know, I, and I know it's only January, but I mean, have are they the are the Warriors as as indestructible as we thought they were? No, I don't think they. Are. I think that they're still a contender. Like, don't get me wrong. 
and I don't think that I still think that Steph is probably a top four MVP candidate right now. But my take coming out of this game is I think that I've, right now I think Giannis is the MVP if the season ended right now. He's just him. It, it'd be a um, a race. He'd be at the top of the list for Defensive Player of the Year yet again, and he's just been. He has shown no no sign of slowing down at all this year. He's been on a, a torrent pace, and then in a game like this one, I know it, uh, Draymond was out, but still one of the biggest games of the season for the Bucks. They're finally starting to get uh, most of their guys back. They're playing like a team that could win the East and win the finals again. So I don't know if this is more. I think it could just be a little slump for the Warriors. I don't think that this is too indicative of of. Um, I think what it is what it does show is that they aren't this year. There is no truly dominant team. I think that's going to be super, super exciting come the playoffs. Um, like we saw the Nets get all, all their guys back and just destroy the Bulls. Um, it was a little bit of a shorthanded Bulls team. But, um, but yeah, the Warriors are kind of sliding as the – I think the Grizzlies are third. Now they're only a couple games back of the Warriors as mm-hmm. they've been surging the 111 in a row, mm-hmm. including a win over the Warriors. So They're yeah. a game and a half back of, of Golden State for the two seed currently. That is insane to think about. Um, but yeah, I don't. The, the halftime score of this game was what? It was like seventy something to thirty eight. Yeah, seventy seven thirty eight at half. That is, it does not look great. But yeah, I'm 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 honestly this game just made me super super excited for the playoffs because we said it last year was more more wide open than any other season, but then a bunch of people got hurt, so the quality like you didn't get to see the star power as much. But I hope mm-hmm. if everyone stays healthy healthy this year, this could be one of the be- one of my favorite playoffs in a while i saw um the the bucks the bucks are one of like the toughest one of the best tough shot making teams i've seen there was one where clay thompson could not have been defending chris middleton any better chris middleton just rises up top over him and knocks it down and clay just stands there and he's like nothing else he could have even done about that and i saw one where bobby portis did it too he's hit a couple big shots for them uh in that game and this, I mean, I saw it, and I saw it when they played Brooklyn uh, last week. I think it was last week or a week or two ago when when they when those two teams played. It. Another thing I saw that was really funny was on Twitter. I saw uh, some Warriors fans had created a Twitter space called Warriors. It was like Warriors post game, and it was the first half hadn't even ended. <laughs> so I was like, I was like, okay, all right, that's that's pretty good. That's something I would do. Uh, I think I agree with you that I think that this Bucks team could go right back to the finals. I mean, they have everything. They have shooters. They have room protectors, defense. They all play really well together. They move the ball so well. Somebody is always open on an offensive possession. I mean, that's that's what Mike Budenholzer always does well. He always coaches guys to get open and find open shooters. And, I mean, they were just knocking down shots like crazy. Uh, they got off to such a good start. Defensively, too, they hound the ball. They move. They switch. It's... This and I mean it's and nobody can guard Giannis. He's just like one of the most unstoppable players we've ever seen. Yeah, especially if he's going to continue to hit, you know, step back jumpers, fadeaway shots. Even if he just has like a spot up three, he's just the most on one of the most dominant players already. And I mean, in his trophy case, he's already got. They had a little that graphic on this thing, on the on the broadcast yesterday. Uh, it's like. Two MVPs, I think. Two yeah. MVPs, maybe one defensive player of the year. Yeah. Probably could be two this year. Most a improved. Fi- yeah, most improved. A, a, a trophy, a finals MVP. 
It's yeah. nuts, and he's 27 he's a, years old. He's accomplished m- more, like, this is a Hall of Fame career already. Yeah. And he, yeah. So, and one of the one of the criticisms of the Bucks coming into the year, or one of the question marks, was the, the depth that they were going to have. Mm-hmm. And Grayson Allen has been, uh, a, like, I kind of questioned that signing in the offseason, but he's been solid. The Vincenzo's coming back. Noir, Jordan Wara, in his second year, has uh, shown the ability to knock down shots. Um, I was, I mean, I get the reasoning, but I was actually a little bit surprised that they let uh, Boogie go because he was playing well for them mm-hmm. and providing something that he didn't have. And Lopez, when is Lopez coming back? It's like he hasn't even been there this year, and their defense is still um, this impressive. I know Giannis is picking up a lot of that slack, but Brooke Lopez is when he comes back, it's just going to be a another element they have uh, rim protection and some three point shooting. Yeah, so Brooke Lopez had back surgery in December, and they said that they would update. They would give updates when he is available, but nothing. Yeah, I don't is think certain. they ruled him out for the year, so mm-hmm. I think he should be back. But also for the back to the Warriors, I a point that I forgot to make is that they also they're trying to implement Clay, and he's like on a weird minutes restriction where he mm-hmm. plays like five minutes stints, which they're they they've been so good because. All their role players, they they're so deep, and all their role players know um, when they're going to be getting minutes. And now, uh, I'm in no way saying that they're worse off with Clay. I think that mm-hmm. obviously, they, if they're going to win a championship, he's going to have to be a part of it. But just for right now, trying to work him back in and figure hard. out the yeah, and trying to figure out the rotation again. I think that Steve Kerr will figure it out, and everyone will settle in. And it, this could be good if they're going through this right now. They have stuff to work on, and then. Um, get to the all-star break and finish out the season strong. The yeah, the Warriors are sitting currently at 30 and 11, which is just a game and a half back of the Suns in the Eastern Conference. They're sitting at the 2, the Suns are the 1. The Bucks are at 4th in the East at 27 and 17. Uh if the playoffs started today, they would have a first round matchup with the Sixers and I don't think that would go well. I I don't think that would go very well for the Sixers if Simmons isn't playing cuz I think that they need him in order to Go farther in the playoffs, uh, but I'm not a yeah. I'm not other other than a beat. I'm not really a fan of the construction of the team right now. I know Maxi's been better this year, but um, I know a lot of fans there want Tobias want to trade Tobias as well too now. Mm-hmm. And I even saw that they were might package those two together, but that is a lot of money to package together in a trade. It's not a lot of teams that have that uh, that cap space either that can take on those guys. Um, so. Yeah, with Steph, you know, another performance where he didn't shoot it very well, and I think he just hasn't been shooting the ball very well in his last couple of games, but this is Steph Curry, so I feel like if we worry about a a, a January slump, yeah. he'll make us look silly in, like, I April mean, when it, they're in the playoffs and he's shooting, and he has, like, a 35-point game. Yeah, this dude just broke the all-time record for threes yeah. less than two months ago, so I'm not really worried about it. I think no. that he'll be fine. No, I think that we could have seen a potential finals preview. I guess we'll find out, though. It is still early, but that could be a good one. Another team that has been really impressive in the West, the Memphis Grizzlies beat the Minnesota Timberwolves last night, 116-108. to Memphis has won 11 in a row. Uh, Desmond Bain was their leading scorer yesterday with 21 points. Jaron Jackson, another good performance from him with 20 points, 5 rebounds, and 5 blocks. On the Minnesota side, Anthony Edwards had 30 points. Andrew Russell with 29. Carl Anthony Towns with 25 points and 8 rebounds. 
the Grizzlies right now just are probably the hottest team in the league. I, I think mean, it's I, I was sorry. I was going to say I think it's a story of the year this team. They're 30 and 14. And I think I think before we started the season you were the the big Grizzlies. You were high on the Grizzlies, weren't you? Yeah, I, I was uh I was like, I was I'm not going to even try to say I was expecting a leap like yeah. this from Job, but I thought that he could take another step forward and this is this is like five steps forward. But yeah, I was uh I was pretty high on them. I can't say I was this high though. I mean, Ja is just so consistently spectacular night in and night out on in every facet of the game. I mean, he plays with such energy. You know, once he gets once he gets going, he's hard to stop. Uh, I I think he's an MVP candidate right now, just especially with the way the Grizzlies are playing and the way that he's leading them. Uh, I think this is a team that really all likes playing with each other. Ja and Jaron and and uh, Desmond Bain. Dylan Brooks, Stephen Adams, all those guys have such a have such a good chemistry, and uh, Xavier Tillman as well with with Jaron Jackson. Uh, that that matters a lot, I think. If teams like playing with each other, it's them and also Chicago. I think are two teams that l- like all playing together, and I think that that is going to be a really important thing in the playoffs. I think that they've taken another leap, and they could be Western Conference contenders, potentially even win it. I don't know if they have you know the the experience or the coaching uh, to win it, but they have a ton of talent, and I think it's completely possible. Yeah, there's a lot of things I could talk about with the Grizzlies, but I think that um, I'm just so happy that they're. I'm happy for this. I'm not. I don't. Never been like a. I've never disliked the Grizzlies, but I've never mm-hmm. been a Grizzlies fan. But I'm just so happy that there's a superstar in a smaller market who's happy to be there. With, that city has a great fan base, and um, this is the longest winning streak in there franchise's history i believe i think the previous was nine so they um beat that by a couple games and i think um they i i hope i don't think at all this is going to happen but i hope that they don't i think they need to make a go for something in free agency or trade in um soon maybe not this year but i hope they don't break it up to get jalen brown right now i hope that i think that they should just run it with this group unless they want to trade maybe like a kyle anderson who Still a contributor, but if they think that um, they can get something for that, then sure. But then, yeah, I think that Ja will get MVP votes for sure. And I've, I've in my life, I've never seen anyone be able to get to the into the paint as a guard so easily, other than Ja, and then like a young Derrick Rose and a young Russell Westbrook. And he's just like you give him an inch of space, and he is in the paint, and he can just float in the air. Against seven footers, out like out hang them, make tough shots, get to the free throw line, and then he's also a threat on both sides of the lob. He's a great lob passer, and he also can catch him. Yeah. Oh, one more thing, but that block he had against oh my the gosh. Lakers, his elbows literally hit the backboard so hard that it made the ball come out of his hands. That just doesn't make <laughs> sense. And that was one of the crazier highlights I've ever seen in my entire life. I he's just I don't know. He's he's incredible, and he's. He's got to be like a top three or four watch in the league, night in, night out. You oh yeah, have to tune in to watch him. Oh yeah, they're they're to me my definition of like a league pass team is a team that might not always win so much, but they'll always be exciting to watch. Last year, I think Charlotte was that, and they were they kind of were. They didn't win as much. They they ended up being a playing team, but they but you know you watch Lamelo Ball, you watch Miles Bridges, and those guys catching lobs and and blocking big shots, and and I think. Memphis was kind of that last year, but this year they are a legit team that can win yeah. games and 
can make noise in the playoffs. I mean, once the playoffs come, if you see John Morant averaging like 25, you gotta you gotta establish him as as one of the top I don't know 10 15 players in the league. Yeah, I think he's gonna be an All NBA player. I think he should be an All Star starter. Mm-hmm. Um, and he did. I mean, they uh, they took a game on Utah last year, but in the both the playing yeah. games and then in that series, he was breaking records for scoring in the playoffs as like how for how young he was and um yeah the problem as long as they don't suffer a collapse down the end of the year they're going to host a playoff series most likely um because they're like i think they're five or six games up on the fifth seed now so um, i think they'll at least hang in there at the four seed and yeah i just um they're so far ahead of schedule and i just pray for um health for them because I would love to see all them um, in the in the playoffs, and I think that they can take. I think they will take at least one playoff series, and then sky's the limit, honestly, for them. This is a this is a different Memphis Grizzlies team than the teams that we saw in the past with like Marcus Saul and Mike Conley and and uh, Zach Randolph and those types of guys because this is just this is like real real stars who can really score on you. Like, I think Memphis was like, they used to be grit and grind and they used to wear you down and that's how they would beat you, but they never went super far. I mean, I th- they went to one conference finals uh, a long time ago, like 2014. Yeah. Tony but Allen. this team would not shock me whatsoever to see them in the Western conference finals. No, I, I think that I wouldn't, I, I would, I would put money on them to win one series. I wouldn't put money on them to make a conference finals, but I also wouldn't be surprised. And, um, especially, I think that there's in the West. I think that there's teams who are more. I don't know, like you know what you're getting with them, mm-hmm. but they also. I think the East teams in the East might have higher ceilings, like Milwaukee, Brooklyn, maybe even Chicago than some of those teams. So mm-hmm. I think that um, it's kind of easier to gauge the potential of these teams. But Memphis is that one of those teams who you don't really know how good they could possibly be. Um, and, they're so young. Yeah. And they're just, they made such a big leap from, uh, like, from two seasons ago to last season. Then, like, they were, what, they were, like, 9 and 10 beginning of the season. Then, But then since then, they've just been the best team in the league. And um, so th- they made such a big in-season leap. Like, you, I don't even, you don't even, you can't even uh, quantify how good they they could end up being. And I don't think that, um, I think that, um, um one of the biggest components is Jaron Jackson being able to actually be a very good defender while playing center. And cause he's shown flashes before, but now he's just been kind of a menace on that end of the floor. Like, like, like five blocks yesterday. I think he's had a couple games in a row with at least five blocks. So yeah, yeah he's lived up to that potential too. Are you, they, the Grizzlies are one of those teams that also drafts really well. Oh, yeah, they don't they miss. They got Jaron Jackson 2018, 2019. They landed Ja Morant, so there's your foundation right there. 2020, you get Desmond Bain. That's 30. And he's one of your – yeah, with the last pick in the first round, and he's one of your – he's one of your main contributors. They got Tillman, too. He comes off the bench and plays some good defense and gets some rebounds for them as well. I mean, that it goes straight – like, you don't necessarily have to tank – to establish a young core, you just gotta have the right eye for talent. And Memphis definitely has has made that happen. Yeah, you got to hit on one, on one of those picks, and Jaws the one, and they built so perfectly around him. Even like John Conchar the other day had yeah, seventeen rebounds, yeah, fifteen point seventeen rebounds, only missed one shot. Like, like they just have so many players who are so solid and know exactly what they need to be doing. 
Dylan Brooks has been hurt. When he comes mm-hmm. back, he's another guy that they can go to. He's a guy that I like, like at the end of a shot clock on that team, who can just uh, create space and knock down a shot. That's a big, that's a big thing. And then Desmond Bain's literally been a top three or four shooter in the league this year. And it seems like it seems like yeah, it seems like any time he puts it up with any space, it's automatic. As he's been really fun to watch. That's kind of one of those things with with Desmond Bain because I think he played four years at TCU. He played at least three. Yeah, he's he's is a that, year older than Jaw. Is that they start? Is that they they take those guys who are more established uh, in the league, and they are more established playing, you know, in in college instead of like the one and dones who who need time to develop. These guys are ready to play right away. Yeah, and Dylan Brooks played three or four years at Oregon too. Yeah, you get guys, somebody like Dylan Brooks, Xavier Tillman as well. I mean, you have you guys who play one and dones like Jaron Jackson. Jaw played two at Murray State. And you just build the right team. I mean, you got to give it to the Memphis front office and how well they've done. On the side of the uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, they're 20 and 22. I think that they've been better than some people have expected. And they have a couple young guys like D'Angelo Russell's been playing some good ball this year. I think he's the one that I wouldn't have expected to be playing good ball compared to, of course, you know, Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards, who are kind of like Memphis those two that you that you build off of and then you have somebody like D'Angelo Russell who can fill it up too if they add maybe one more they could push their way up in the in the western conference because it's it's real congested from five to nine it's the Mavericks are at 22 and 19 and they're at nine at 20 and 22 so you add somebody I don't I you know maybe somebody like a Jeremy Grant or something like that and maybe that pushes you up a little bit and you have a more favorable playoff matchup. I think that their rebuild is coming along a little faster than some people might've thought too. I mean, and Chris Finch is a really good coach. So I think that Minnesota is kind of a sleeper team to watch for. Yeah. You think, especially now with the plan being permanent, you could say, um, you could look at a team like if you're a front off, if you're in the front office for the Timberwolves, you could look at a team like, not that, like, I don't think that this, it may be the smartest thing to do, but you could talk yourself into saying, look at the Suns. They were one move away from being in the finals with Chris mm-hmm. Paul. And then you could also say, like, they're going to fight to at least make the play-in. So it's instead of just being eight teams, now there's ten teams who aren't, um, at least ten teams who are fighting for the playoffs and not tanking. So they could uh, put their chips and say, hey, look, the um, the Grizzlies uh, snuck into the playoffs last year as the nine or ten seed, and then um now look where they are that could be us too so they are playing they are playing um solid basketball and their defense has been a lot better this year Jerry Vanderbilt's been a solid yeah. defender he's been uh good uh he, he hasn't started every game but um he's no matter when he's in the game he makes a difference defensively so I think that they will be um on the market for for somebody like a Jeremy Grant or someone um that could help him out so I, I wouldn't be surprised if they made a, a move that um seems like a, a like that, I guess what I'm trying to say, I think that they could be buyers, even if I think, even if I think that might be a bit premature. Yeah, I don't know how far you know they could go in a in a Western Conference with teams like the Suns, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Jazz, the Lakers, those types of teams. If if the Lakers you know get back on track like we kind of thought they would, but even the Mavs have been playing better. Mm-hmm. And you don't, you, Luca's only had two shots at the playoffs, but it's both been against the the Clippers. Yeah. So you know, I still would not want to see Luca in the playoffs because he's been dominant both times yeah yeah i don't know how far uh, minnesota could go but they definitely could give themselves a better chance by by adding somebody at making a making a move like that so speaking of of trade rumors there's been quite a bit of uh chatter at this at uh with 
with uh, with trade rumors, and there's been a couple names that have come up. We've we've got like Jeremy Grant, as we've said, because we thought the Pistons might want to move his contract. Uh, Miles Turner's another guy because, uh, as we know, Indiana's going to blow it up probably. Buddy Heald, Harrison Barnes, De'Aaron Fox in in Sacramento, they're also going to probably blow it up as well. Ben Simmons has just been on the trade block for seemingly his whole career in Philadelphia. Mo Bamba in Orlando, John Collins. I think Jalen Brown, too, because... Possibly. Because I just think that, that Boston has done those two such a disservice throughout both of their careers by not putting a team around them. By not putting... There's, like, there's no depth on that team. There's not a whole lot of other quality young players around them. So those two have basically had to had to fight for their lives whenever Boston would make the playoffs or, or play any sort of, you know, game with a lot of leverage. Yeah, I don't think that they should break them up, but I don't really know where where right. you get better. Like we don't there are very many assets outside of those two, so yeah, they're in a really really tough spot because if they keep those two, they're always going to be a playoff team. Um or they they should be at least they should be at least like a five five to eight seed in, in the East and if they if they have a good season could maybe be a top three or four seed but um yeah I don't really that's a tough spot for Boston because I don't that, that's one of the best wing duos in the entire league and it just seems like other than that nothing on that roster is worth much at all like Robert Williams maybe is valuable Aaron Neesmith has had a huge sophomore slump he's just not been playing well at all I couldn't really even name that many other guys on that roster what Marcus Smart Marcus Smart Peyton Pritchard that's yeah Dennis Schroeder oh that's not good roster building at all from uh it's crazy that Danny Ainge yeah it's crazy that the team team that has um Jalen Brown and, and Jason Tatum just doesn't seem like they're that exciting to watch and with two premier players in the league but a, a, J, a Jalen Brown um I think Jalen Brown on Memphis would be my favorite fit if that was at all possible. That would be, yeah, that'd be nice. I mean, Boston is sitting at 21 and 21 in the 10 seed right now, so. Yeah, that's a first-round playoff series against the Hornets, and I think the Hornets would beat them in a a play-in game, I guess that is. Yeah. So, Uh, another one, another interesting name I think would be is probably I think the most interesting name that we have written down here is Miles Turner. I think that with Indiana deciding to blow things up, which is just a kind of first off weird timeline when you just hired Rick Carlisle. Doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me, but yeah, I don't think that they are going to at least this year. I think Turner will like if anyone's getting traded it'll be Turner. I don't think they'll trade Sabonis and they can't trade Brogdon right now. But I don't think that they're going to try to completely blow it up and rebuild with Carlisle because I don't think Carlisle came there to do that, like you said. Mm-hmm. But Turner is an interesting trade piece for a lot of teams. Um, a very good rim-protecting center who can knock down shots. One of the be- He is one of the better defenders in the entire league. I think a team like um, like the the Hornets would really benefit from him, um, who they, just, yeah. for some reason or another, haven't been able to find a center the last few years. Um, a lot of teams could use him. I saw that the Lakers were interested. I don't really know what they would give them or how they would use him, but we'll see. I think that he's. I think that he's a valuable trade piece, though. So I got a, a thing here from uh, from Hoops Hype. They have like a top five most popular trade rumors right now. Damian Lillard in Portland is one. I don't think 
Dame will get moved, nor does he want to. But their timeline in 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 Portland is just strange because they're not very good. He's injured. He just had surgery on his abdomen, so it's they're in a really weird spot. I think they they just added a new GM. Oh yeah, we talked about that on an episode. But and then they have John Collins on here as well. He's also unhappy with his role. But again, I cannot really tell you what better role he wants that would help a team win. Like if you get traded, you're you're gonna be what, a second or third fiddle still. What do you think of Grant and Collins being the two main pieces of a trade between Atlanta and Detroit? I think if yeah, I would definitely like Jeremy Grant a little more in Atlanta than John Collins, just because of the fact that Jeremy Grant can handle the ball and he can create and defend and probably shoot. I think he does a lot of things better than yeah. John Collins, so I would probably be okay with that i think that detroit might want to take they would probably have to take gallinari back too just as like a as a as a contract filler because i think atlanta wants to get that contract off the books too but i think that adding someone like jeremy grant to atlanta gives them a much more versatile forward i bet he'd play really well with trey too yeah um i the thing about atlanta is like you have to understand if you're coming to atlanta trey's gonna have the ball for a lot of the time i think grant would be fine with that though you think so yeah okay because i for some reason, John Collins isn't, even though that's like where he made his. That's where he made that 125 million was catching lobs from Trey and 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 playing off of Trey. I think that um, he's played that a similar role in the bubble, and then for OKC, Grant has. And I think that, like you said, he has a little bit better ball skills, so I think that he will get. He probably would get a little bit more um, offense um, his way, and he, maybe they could stagger those minutes, even have him off the bench and handle the ball a little bit more off the bench. But I think as a Pistons fan, I I don't really know what I don't I honestly don't know what the return would be on Jeremy Grant. So I'm I think that he's going to get traded, so I'm kind of intrigued to see because I've been hearing a lot of people say it'd be like similar to Aaron Gordon mm-hmm. going to so like a young player and a pick or two first or two first or two young players. So I don't know. I think that it's going to happen. I just hope that – I think it bodes well for Detroit that because of the play-in, there's a lot more buyers like we just talked about, and there's not very many sellers. That's why this list isn't – there are some names on this list, but a lot of names that probably won't get traded like De'Aaron Fox or Ben Simmons. So Grant is out of the – like um, him and Turner are the players who are likely to get moved. I, like um, They're the two biggest names on the list. So I think that bodes well for Detroit in the rebuild. And another one is Mo Bamba. I know we've mentioned a couple centers that that have uh that probably need to be moved, but Mo Bamba has just kind of completely fallen out of the rotation there. But I just I know why because you have Wendell Carter Jr. has been playing pretty well in Orlando, uh. But I feel like Mo Bamba still has a lot of talent and can really help a team if he has minutes. And I've heard Boston linked to him, Charlotte. I think I I do think he can help a team. I mean, what is he? He's seven feet tall. He still can shoot it really well. Good rim protector. I think he's just a double double. I mean, I don't know if he's like a star, but I mean, I think he gives you a double double as a starter or even off the bench. So I feel like he'd be worth trading for if some team could put them put him in their rotation. Yeah, I mean, if I I think that not to always bring it back to Detroit, but if Troy <laughs> Weaver was willing to. Um, give it a uh, bull bull a shot. I don't see why if the price for Mo Bamba is similar to that, why they wouldn't 
give them a call. I mean, I'd assume it'd be a bit higher than Bull Bull, but yeah, a team like I think he needs to be on a a team with. There's just so like so many players in that front court, and then Jonathan Isaac. I don't know when he's Can't coming back, but yeah, he's been out for a while. But when he comes back, hopefully healthy, uh, that's another uh, player in the front court that's going to be ahead of him on the depth chart. So he just he hasn't when he's gotten the chance, he hasn't proved it um, mm-hmm. to be a, he hasn't proved to be as consistent as he uh, needs to be. But he also hasn't gotten that much of a chance, and it just sucks because. Um, it's not even on a, a that great of a team, mm-hmm. so I I kind of wish he would get. This year he's gotten more minutes, but even more than he has been, because he's kind of an unknown to me. Yeah, I I I'm not as confident that he's he's like, um, an M, like a good NBA player, but mm-hmm. he he's like you said he's massive and he has some skills, so if he can figure out something, he could stick. Yeah, and and Jonathan Isaac got hurt like in the bubble, didn't he? And he yeah. just didn't play all of last year. Yeah, he's no, still he, not back this year. Yeah, he got hurt in the bubble. He tore he hurt he tore his ACL twice, I think. Ugh. And the second time was in the bubble. I th- yeah. yeah. Is it the you think was it the same one? Or? I don't remember. I, and Fultz is also supposed to supposed to be coming back this season. Um so I hope that but uh, I hope they get they get him back too. And Cole, but Cole Anthony has been a lot better this year than last year he looked like he might have been close to being a bust, but this year he's really turned it around. Yeah, and Franz Wagner is looking like Rookie of the Year. Yeah, he's been, uh, much to my chagrin, much better than I thought he would be. <laughs> I had him in, like, the mid-20s as a player. I was just like, he doesn't really do anything spectacular, but he kind of just does everything. Well, it's kind of like Gordon Hayward, you know? Yeah. I Just the system, like, I think he's one of those players who, he just is an NBA player. Like, the college system, yeah. slower game and uh, more condensed court didn't help him that much. Now he has a lot of uh, room to move and switch on defense and he's proven to be a decent ball handler too at like six ten, six nine, so a valuable player. Yeah. And uh before we get out of here, we've got a couple uh nationally televised games coming tonight. Golden State is at Chicago seven thirty PM on ESPN. There are no lines listed here, but I would think that Chicago would be favored. Uh what do you like for that game? I think that I have a feeling that the Warriors are going to have to bounce back at some point. And I think um, – I guess the, the Bulls just got beaten pretty bad too. I think I'm going to take the Warriors just because I think that – I think that this could be a game that Clay and Steph um, click again, and I think it'll be fun to watch. I think those two are going to have – each can have a good shooting game. I, Clay broke the three-point record, uh, three record for a game in Chicago, didn't he? So yep. maybe that'll – those memories will bring back – some old magic from him, so I'll take I'll take the Warriors. All right, so this one says the Bulls are a four and a half point favorite. So I think I think I'm gonna take the Warriors outright. I think I am too. Uh, I think that the Warriors, the the thing about the Warriors, the thing about great teams like the Warriors is losing two games in a row is panic mode. Some other teams will be like, oh yeah, you can lose like three or four, and then and you'll be okay. But the Warriors, it's like two games is unacceptable, and then they go on like an 18-game win streak. Especially with – but the Warriors have teams breathing down their neck in the standings. They yeah. haven't been used to that all year other than the, other than Phoenix. They've just been them and Phoenix at the top. But it's crazy. You drop two games, Memphis wins 11, 11 in a row, and they're right there. So but Chicago just got it handed to them by, uh, by Brooklyn at home the other yeah. night. So they might want to be turning it around as well. I think we're in for a pretty good game. I think I'm going to take Golden State over Chicago and the points. And then at 10 p.m. on ESPN, we have Dallas and Memphis. Uh, I think 
if any team is going to play spoiler to an 11 game win streak for Memphis, it could be Dallas, could be Luka. Where, where is it at? It's in Memphis. Okay. Which is a, I feel like which, they play like a bunch of home games in a row. Yeah, Memphis has won 16 games at home this year. I think Memphis is going to roll, though. I think they're going to keep rolling. I think it's going to be tough to stop that train. What's the line? Let me go find it. Uh, to be also to be honest, I haven't paid much attention to Dallas this year. They've been playing better lately. Lucas Luca has been um, better the last couple of weeks. I think that Dallas is going to win. Actually, I just. All right. Not because I, I think the Grizzlies are a better team. I just they can't win every single game. So um, it's Grizzlies by three. So close game. I think I'll take short money line. I'll take Dallas to cover. I think just the way the Grizzlies have been playing. If it's at home, if it's a close game, I think the Grizzlies might win. But I don't think that it'll be. I think it'll be a very close game. I think that Luca has been people. He's kind of people haven't been talking about him as much. And it, when when I'm say as much, not every single day like they usually are. I think that he'll have a big game and he'll be back in the national spotlight tomorrow on all those morning shows when they say it, when they're talking about how he ended the Grizzlies win streak and how the Mavs <laughs> might be back. So, I guess back to yeah. What? But. Memphis is without uh, Memphis or Dallas is going to be without. Uh, Chris Stapps, Porzingis. So I would think that, you know, that's a good game for Jaron Jackson to, yeah. to have a big game. Uh, it is also, though, it's tough when if Luca's feeling it, it's kind of, he can kind of neutralize true. players like that. So we'll see. That one could actually be exciting. I'm probably going to tune into uh, both of these games tonight because they should be exciting because I need something to distract me from how bad Atlanta has been this year. <laughs> Watching that team play defense is bad. I gotta tell you that that it takes one screen to completely just ruin their entire defensive game plan. Yeah. One guy drops off a screen, some other guy's going over to help, leaving somebody else wide open in the corner for a shot. I mean, they're twenty eighth in the league in defense, so yeah, it's much more it's much more calming to watch a team you have no expectations for. Because I haven't had to watch a Detroit team I had expectations for until recently. I've kind of been semi interested in the Wings since they've been mm-hmm. playing for a playoff spot, and I was like, wow, I forgot what it feels like they care about a pro sport, like a, a, the outcome of a pro sport game. Yeah, it's having a high expectations after your team goes to the Eastern Conference Finals and then watching them do what they're doing now is, is a little bit a little bit disappointing yeah. for sure. I so. just watched, and if Cade and Sadiq and once in a blue moon, if Killian is playing well, <laughs> I'll stay tuned in. But if they start, if they start uh, losing by a decent amount and none of them are having a good game, I'll tune it out. Cade against the Jazz was... By yeah. far the best game I've seen him play, and yeah, he just took control that third quarter, and that that made me very, very hopeful. I mean, he already was. I already, yeah, I I already have been hopeful, but that game was. He showed a lot of flashes of potential All Star, All NBA player. Toronto plays at Detroit tonight, so we will get out of here. Hope you guys enjoy your weekend and we will see you next week thank you everybody for listening and we are out